1: Please turn in your Bibles once more to the book of Psalms. and the Psalm 119, we're continuing picking up again our studies and these entitled sort of personal praying or experiential praying. Uh, these prayers that have uh, some form of request followed by the word me. And there are a great number of these in the Psalms. In fact, a great number in the Psalm 119. We've dealt with a lot of the most common ones so far. And really, from now on, we want to maybe look at some of the ones that are maybe less well-known as we pull together the series. I think this is number 10 in this series, and again, they're all available on Sermon Audio. If you want to go back and recap on some of those, they should all be available under the series, Personal Praying. And So tonight, we're reading from the Psalm 119, and we're going to read from the verse number 25. And the Psalm 119, reading the Daleth section, the verse number 25 My soul cleaveth unto the dust. Quicken thou me according to thy word. I have declared my ways, and thou heardest me. Teach me thy statutes. Make me to understand the way of thy precepts. So shall I talk of thy wondrous works. My soul melteth for heaviness. Strengthen thou me according unto thy word. Remove from me the way of lying. and Grant me thy law graciously. I have chosen the way of truth, thy judgments have I laid before me, I have stuck unto thy testimonies, O Lord, put me not to shame. I will run in the way of thy commandments, when thou shalt enlarge my heart, amen, may God be pleased again to bless his word to our souls tonight. So we are in the middle of this series, dealing with the subject of praying over our experiences, Trying to encourage you, as I try to encourage my own heart, that we must have a personal dealing with the Lord. It's so important that we are honest, honest before God with how we are feeling. That we bring our burdens or challenges before the Lord. Of course, the Lord knows all about us, He knows our hearts. You may say, Well, we, we don't need to bring our petitions when He knows us already. But in the very act of this praying, we are we are manifesting trust in the Lord. And the Lord is pleased to bless the believer. He's pleased to hear the cries of those who depend upon him, those who do not trust in horses or chariots, but those who remember the name of the Lord their God. And one of the experiences that we are well aware of today, one in which we are all living, is the experience of a world that is steeped with deception, a world full of deception. One of the reasons I believe President Trump's fake news comments became so powerful was that the words resonated with people's perception. He spoke of something that they were familiar of. We don't know who to believe. We're confronted with various presentations of the same information, and we just don't know what side to take on board. Same data, same information. And yet people are so adept at manipulating things for their own agendas that we just are well, really confused as to what we think on so many different areas. Hence, in this world, we are all too familiar with the way of lying that is described here in verse number 29. Remove from me the way of lying. See, what is true in the secular realm is also true in the realm of religion. Religion. David here places the way of lying in contrast to the way of truth in verse number 30. So you have the way of lying, verse number 29, and then verse 30, I have chosen the way of truth. And here he's using the uh, the common use of the parallelism that we see in so much of the, the Hebrew poetry. So David is not referring to his own sin of lying when he refers to the way of lying but rather he's referring to the false way as opposed to the true way. David has chosen to follow the true way. I have chosen the way of truth. He says later on in the psalm, through thy precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. He's come to love the true way. He's come to hate the false way, and yet he's still conscious of the danger of the false way. Your profession of faith in Christ, your understanding of the gospel, your belief in the gospel does not lessen the danger that we face when it comes to the false way, the way of lying. Oh yes, we know that we're preserved by God's grace. We cannot succumb to it. But yet it is present because we believe the truth does not remove the presence of the false way. And so the false way is something that is always confronting the true child of God. And so tonight I want to to discuss and take some time to think over the subject of praying, praying over the danger of the false way. And there are five things that I want to leave before you very briefly. First of all, I want to think about the source of this danger. What is the source of the danger of the false way? Well, Charles, Charles Bridges in his masterful commentary in Psalm 119, he says this, Only two ways lie before us for our choice, the way of lying and the way of truth. God, by the light of his word, guides us into one. Satan, by his temptations, allures us into the other. And so the way, the false way, the way of lying, originates with the evil one, originates with the devil himself. John 8, 44, he is a liar and the father of it. And from the beginning, it was Satan's end and purpose to sow deception, and through deception to bring destruction. And so he continues. He continues to seek to destroy through spreading and promoting every false way. False doctrine in Ephesians chapter 4 is described in the terms of men of cunning craftiness who are lying in wait to receive False teachers, lying in wait to deceive, to trick. And the term lying in wait to deceive is the same term that's used for the wild of the devil in chapter six. And so the devil is at work through false teachers who then in turn will spread his false ways. He operates in the world. The devil is operating in the world and his currency is falsehood. Turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Here you see it described, again, in in quite graphic detail, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Again, Paul is, in 2 Corinthians, he's arguing for his true apostle he's arguing for the fact that he is not a false apostle, but in so doing, he points out uh, some of the features and the characteristics of the false apostles. In verse number uh, 13, he says this, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers. So the false apostles, they are the agents of deceit. Deceit in their message and deceit in their manner. They transform themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose ends shall be according to their works." So here you're seeing in the, in the words of the New Testament that the source of the way of lying is the devil himself. The devil working in false teachers and in so doing, promoting the false way, the way of lying. If you want to be motivated to pray this prayer, you want to take this prayer upon your heart, remove from me the way of lying, well, what a motivation it is to remember the source. The source is the devil himself. Pray this prayer. See the, the danger and the source of the danger. And then in the second place, note the signs of the danger. I'm arguing to you that the way of lying is a a way that involves great peril and great danger. And I want to show you there, there are three signs, three evidence, if you like, that this is indeed a dangerous way. First of all, the danger is shown in that the devil's focus, the focus of his attack is on the way of truth, the way of truth. When we tell lies, we tell lies out of our sinful nature. That's on us. Young people, don't ever succumb to the idea the devil made you tell a lie. You told your lie out of your own choice, out of your own volition. But the devil sows falsehood in the realms of religion. His way is opposed to truth. Now, I, I don't want someone to think you should attach verse number 29 to some sort of fake news post on Twitter or Facebook, removed from way of lying and make it about fake news or about COVID or a vaccination or masks or anything like that. Well, the devil does use those things to distract the people of God and to divide the people of God. But the devil's purpose is to attack the way of truth. Not simple matters of life and politics and such, but rather his purpose is to attack the very gospel itself. He has a higher agenda than the affairs of men. His agenda is to attack the affairs of God. And we've got to keep that clear in our minds. We've got to understand the devil's focus is on the gospel itself. And let me read through the words of 1 John chapter 2 and verse number 21 where it says this. I have not written unto you because ye know not the truth, but because ye know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. And so the agenda of the evil one is to undermine the very word of God, the very doctrines of the gospel, whereby people can be saved. That's always the devil's purpose. It is to rob people of gospel truth so that they will not believe and be saved. Oh, the focus of the devil's attack, of course, is in various aspects of Bible truth. He attacks theology proper. We might think the devil promotes atheism, and of course he does. But he's also very content for people to believe the lie of a God who loves all and who will forgive all in the end. That lie comes from the devil. The devil. The idea of a God who at the end of the day will just forgive everybody and everybody will go to heaven. The universalism error. That comes from the pit of hell. For such an error removes the obligation of people to seek Christ. And they simply live their lives in the assumption that all will be well. Open theism is a more modern attack upon the purposes of God which teaches that the future is not fixed by God's sovereignty, but is open as God and man are free. Therefore, the future is free. And such, of course, exalts man and dethrones God. The devil is a source of such wicked theology. The devil, in his focused attack, also attacks biblical history. Classical liberal theology is spawned in the devil's laboratory and denies historical truth by denying the miracle. Miracles don't happen, therefore they didn't happen, even if the evidence points to the fact that they did happen. That's the agenda of liberalism. Miracles don't happen, therefore they didn't happen, even though the evidence points to the fact that they did happen. You think of the devil's attack on Christology, the doctrine of Christ, the source of constant attacks on the person of Christ. You think of the cults. Every false way, every lying way brought about by the devil as he attacks the person of Christ who is very God and very man. You think of his attacks on anthropology. Man is inherently good or perhaps isn't really all that bad. Think of his attacks on soteriology, the doctrine of salvation. Salvation by self or by sacrament. All of these errors, the way of the devil. You think in the modern age, of the devil's attacks on the Bible's morality creeping into the church. This idea that choice rules all decisions. Man's freedom allows him to act as they please. Better to kill the unborn than to live with the consequences. Love is free. Whatever goes should be allowed to go. It's interesting when it comes to morality. Paul describes the old man as corrupt. Corrupt due to lusts. Lusts are called deceitful lusts the way of lying in the realm of morality. so the devil's attack, his focus is on those things that are fundamental to gospel, biblical truth. It's one of the signs of his danger. He's not trifling with things of lesser importance. His attack is on the things of fundamental importance. He will use distraction and division through other things, but his attack is upon the very truth of God. The second sign Regarding the danger here, is the followers of the false way. Those who follow the way of lying are those who have been deceived by Satan and they've been given over by God. Think of the description of the ungodly in Romans chapter 1. God has given them over, and they are those who have said to have changed the truth of God into a lie. They bought into the way of lying. They've taken truth, they've dispensed of truth, and they've bought into the lie, and God has given them over. That's how dangerous this is. To get consumed by the way of lying is to is to imperil your never dying soul. That's true, of course, now. And listen to the end times words of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. The wicked one shall be revealed. The wicked one who comes with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. This one who works all power and signs and lying wonders. And for this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. It's a very fearful thing to believe the false way. The danger is seen in the followers of the false way. The danger is also seen finally in the finality of the false way, the fi- finality, the end of the false way. Where is the end? Second Thessalonians chapter 2, at the end is damnation. There is a way which seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. So this false way is a dangerous way, danger to souls of mankind. And so we thought about the source of this danger and the signs of the danger. What about the subtlety of the danger? The subtlety of the danger. Back to our Sam, The was praised. Remove from me the way of lying. David, he's very clear. I have chosen the way of truth. The way of truth is a choice. We, we do choose by the grace of God, but we, we make this a determined choice. But having made that choice, David is not naive, and he does not presume he's safe from the danger of the false way. We are secure in Christ, I've said that, but danger lurks, harm can come if we are duped by the false way. Hence, David prays, remove from me the way of lying. He knows the subtlety of the enemy. When it comes to morality, David for a time succumbed to the way of lying, didn't he? He went his own way. He denied the true way, succumbed to sin and violating the Ten Commandments, committing adultery and murder, even though at that time he had chosen the way of truth. So he's not unaware of the danger of the enemy, the danger of the enemy alluring him into a false way. He knows his heart. How often do we think of remaining sin as having an impact in our understanding? We usually think of remaining sin as impacting what we look at, where we go, what we touch, what we say. We don't think of remaining sin and its impact in our minds, in our understanding of truth. But none of us are perfectly sanctified in our understanding and therefore, remaining sin is present in the realm of our understanding, whereby remaining sin in the true believer means that they can be tempted to believe a lie. The true believer can fall into false doctrine. You think of Paul's trouble in the church in Thessalonica, they had embraced a lie, they had, they had taken a false view of the second coming of Christ. Like Paul does not dismiss them as heretics and unbelievers. He refers to them as disorderly brothers. So I'm just telling you, this prayer, it's not for people outside the church. This prayer is for all of us tonight, knowing our hearts. See, know your weakness, dear believer. Ignoring your weakness will lead you to not pray this prayer. Paul, Paul says to the Galatian church, I marvel that you're so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. If it can happen to the Galatians, it can happen to us here in Malvern. This is an important prayer to pray for the church, denominationally, locally, and also individually. The subtlety of the danger In the fourth place, note David's desire for separation from the danger. Think of the prayer itself. Remove from me the way of lying. His burden is to be free from every influence of error. There is no place for compromise with error. Sadly, evangelicals have sought common ground with Catholics and liberals over the years. They will seek agreement on some moral issue or even some joint theological issue. They will publish a joint statement, but the statement will all be considered under the title of Christians. Catholic, liberal, conservative, whatever you may be, Well, we're all Christians. There is no place for compromise with error. The psalmist prayer ought to be our prayer. Remove from me, remove from me the way of lying. You see, on a personal level, be careful, please, dear believer, be careful what you watch, what you read, what you listen to. There are so many opportunities through television, through the radio, through the Internet, through books, there are so many opportunities to be exposed to the way of lying. Have an awareness of the danger of the solidity of being led away little by little into error happens so easily. Some of you are very aware of the danger of such. So do not think just because someone says the name Jesus or profess to be Christian, therefore all is well. I've had conversations with Russellites and for the first few moments, listening to what they say, they sound like good, solid, even Christians. The way of lying is very subtle, and our prayer must be a prayer to be removed from it. Which leads to the last thing, and that is the solution to this danger. Of course, the solution to the danger is the way of truth. It's what the Psalms himself prays. Remove from me the way of lying, and grant me thy law graciously. The way of truth, I have chosen the way of truth. Thy judgments have I laid before me. The solution to the devil's lies is the embracing of God's truth and the exposure to God's truth, truth that comes by revelation. We believe what we believe, because it comes from God himself. This book is a book of divine inspiration. Every word inspired of God's coming by way of God's revelation. And so we understand that having this way of truth is the way that's come to us graciously. God has graciously given us us his truth. And so we still must pray, Open now my eyes. Graciously show me your truth. Graciously cause my understanding to develop that I grow in the knowledge and the grace of Jesus Christ. So when you see the danger, don't live in some vacuum, but pursue God to graciously give you his truth. Perhaps you are tempted to deny the gospel. Perhaps you're tempted tonight by some false way. Well, you get before God on your knees and you say, Lord, Lord, show me graciously. Grant me your law. Show me your truth. Truth that comes by revelation and truth that is considered by a resolution. My judgments have I laid before me. The idea of spreading them out on the table so that he can study them, see them, consider them, look at them. As the rolled up scroll was no good to the psalmist, so the closed Bible is no good to the believer. The open Bible, a Bible that is read and digested and studied carefully. It's not surprising that so many professed Christians have gone in the way of error when all they read in a given year is perhaps 365 verses. They read one a day and they presume that's okay. Okay. That's all they read in the entire Bible. They're not laying the word of God before them. And so doubts come in. Why do doubts come in? Because they don't know the truth. Error is embraced because they don't know the truth. And so if we're to to combat the devil's devices, we've got to pursue the knowledge of truth with a determination and a resolve in our souls. It's all of grace. But like every area of sanctification, It's all of us as well. That we work out our salvation with fear and trembling in this area of the way of truth. So here's one more prayer for you to pray in these days of deceit. Perhaps it's one you've never prayed before. Perhaps you've never taken this upon your heart. Perhaps you presumed, well, we're in a good, sound church. All is well. Oh, the application of this How does this work out in application? Well, you pray for your seminary. Remove from our denomination the way of lying. You pray for your elders. Remove from their hearts the way of lying. You pray for your spouse. Remove from her. Remove from him the way of lying. You pray for your children. Remove from them the way of lying. May they not embrace a lie. May they embrace truth. You pray in every area. This prayer has so many ramifications if you understand it. The danger of the devil's deceptions and the need to take this seriously. For to embrace the way of lying is to be away from Christ. And to be away from Christ is to be in the way of death. And so please, take this upon your heart. May we take the counsel of the inspired example of the psalmist and that our prayer lives would develop and mature. And that God be pleased to hear and answer our prayers tonight. Amen, may God. And did encourage us in His Word.